0: Good afternoon um, Ecclesia, good afternoon everyone who is visiting with us today Um, and glad to be with you here as we um, have fellowship today in God's Word and with one another. Um, Just as I set out today to continue in, uh, in our series the New Testament letter of James, Um, I want to start by posing a question to you. Would you simply believe me telling you I'm a Christian just because you come here and see me on stage or leading in service or being involved here in one way or another each Sunday or at other times during the week? Would you take, I mean, what, what would it take to help you see that, yeah, that Bertram guy, man, he's a Christian for real. You've probably heard the sayings, actions speak louder than words. Or you can tell a tree by its fruit. <coughs> Those teach us to reflect um, on how we live our lives and consider others as well. Um, Consider others' lives to discern or understand their character or their nature. The main thrust of our sermon today is this. I mean, a lifestyle that is lived out, trusting in God, it demonstrates humble faith. And a lifestyle that's lived out Demonstrating godly wisdom is an identifying mark of a true believer. You can tell a true believer by the kind of wisdom he demonstrates or she demonstrates. This is talking about, just for added emphasis, the lifestyle of the believer. So James takes steps to show us what that is not and what it is in today's passage just a quick recap. Where are we in James? Like I said, we're going through a series of sermons, in, I mean based on the letter of James. <clears throat> we're in a series um, where so far we've begun preaching to share from James that bona fide or true faith is tested or proven through trials. James chapter one verses 1 to 11. It is. Steadfast, that's bona fide faith, is steadfast, it, en- it, 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 it endures, James 1, 12 to, to 18. It is obedient to God when faced with trials, James 1, 19 to 27. It lives, it loves equally, James 2, 1 to 13. And um, two weeks ago, bona fide faith has actions accompanying it. James 2, 14 to 26. And just last week, bonafide faith transforms our speech. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. All through, when you consider the main points, he calls believers to, he, he calls believers to demonstrate the work of God in their lives. It's a very practical book. I was, I was just um, chatting with um, Rebecca a few moments ago. <coughs> Today's passage is no exception calls for another demonstration of a godly life. And I pray we'll see that demonstrating godly wisdom is an identifying mark of a believer in Jesus Christ. So let's begin by looking at our text for today's message. It's James chapter 3 verses 13 to 18. How, is this, um, how does James approach this? What he does, he, he challenges his Readers in verse 13, if you look at it, to <coughs> demonstrate godly wisdom in how they live, their works, and their attitude. He then shows the difference between earthly wisdom, verses 14 to 16, and heavenly wisdom, verses 17 and 18, with regard to their motivation. That's where, what, what is the motive behind this kind of wisdom? Their characteristics. And the results or the fruit of each kind of wisdom that's demonstrated that, or that he, that he highlights in the, in the preceding verses. The eventual challenge that James poses is to demonstrate godly rather than earthly wisdom. And he wraps this in the text. He wraps it in the last verse, but he folds it into each section as we go along. Let's start looking at the whole picture to see... Where he leads his readers before we go in. So the text, James 3, 13 to 18. <coughs> um, what you have on display, I hope this doesn't cause any problems, is the ink is the ESV. Um, let me read through. Let me read the ESV as well. Just one second. I'll read the ESV. rather than create any added difficulty. All right. From verse 13. Who is, a, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, and selfish ambition in your hearts do not boast and be false to the truth this is not wisdom that comes down from above but is is earthly unspiritual, demonic and then verse 16 for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist there will be disorder and every vile practice but the wisdom from above is first pure then Peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, and good fruits, impartial, and sincere. The last verse, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So, um, I was just trying to to say earlier on, I did all my... um, um, reading and studying based on the New American Standard Bible. It makes no confusion or difference in the sense and the meaning. I just find that version quite, um, in terms of its, uh, of the translation, very close to the original text. So, <laughs> based um, a lot of my reading and study on that. So, you might hear me reading something that sounds different I'm, I'm, I, I trust, I promise you, I'm being faithful to what the text is actually saying, all right? So don't let that distract you. So as the structure of the points follows through the text, um, that's how we will proceed. So he poses the challenge first of all, and let's look at what he's saying in the, in, uh, first in, that, in terms of the challenge. How does he present this? Who among you is wise and understanding? Verse 13. Who among you is wise and understand and understanding? Wisdom here is practical, just like the theme, like just like the book is very practical. The letter is practical. Um, when I think about wisdom personally, it's it's easy to look at this as being a matter of what we know up here, you know. It's easy to look at it um, in terms of when you think about talk about wisdom to children. One of the first Bible characters that come to mind is who? Solomon. I didn't think there'd be any other answer. Solomon, you know, and Solomon, and particularly that story, sitting on his throne and judging between two prostitutes who wake up in the morning, one finds her baby dead, and he makes a wise judgment, you know, just from there, right on his throne, between the two women as to whose baby survived and lived through the night, you know, when he calls for one to be the baby to be chopped into and so on. That's the impression I, I, I immediately that immediately comes to mind when I think about wisdom. But nah, that's not what this is talking about. This is more of skillful living as a believer. I mean, what makes this important? James will explain as we go into, as we get through the passage later. But at this point, allow me to ask a question or two, and just hold this, these questions as you look at the verses as we go on. First question, when we consider Matthew, there's a, there's a, let, let me go to Jesus in Matthew, Matthew chapter seven and verses 24 and 25. Matthew seven twenty four and 25. Let me turn there. Can I invite you to turn there as well? I want to ask a question. I want to pose a question to us. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Jesus is obviously speaking in terms of people listening to his words, listening to the message of the the good news of the kingdom of God that he's he's been preaching and teaching in Israel, in Jerusalem, in Galilee, and calls people to believe on his words, believe on what he says about the kingdom of God and entering into it. Now my question um, to you and to me, do, did we acquire or buy or purchase our salvation just like everything else we could buy? We could go into the O2 shop or the Apple shop now and buy an iPhone 7, get one for yourself. Get a phone you like. Did we acquire or buy our salvation for ourselves? Did we go somewhere and pay a price for it and get it? If we did or if we do, how much does the salvation that you've purchased or that I've bought, how much does it cost us? What does the salvation you've bought for yourself cost you? Second question. If you've bought your salvation or acquired it by yourself at whatever price you could afford to pay, does that make me and you free to live as we wish, having acquired or bought salvation from God? Do you notice something in the question I just asked? I mean, do we buy salvation? Do we acquire salvation by ourselves? with our own effort, well, and if we are free to live how we like because we've bought salvation, would we choose to live at all, in, in, in even in the least, for God? Because we could afford salvation and buy it ourselves, right? Would we choose, would you make a choice to live for God, having bought your own salvation, Especially considering what it costs you to buy that salvation. Right, let's come back to James. If, if, even if you remember only one of those questions, just hold it in mind. Let's come back to James then. With at least one of these questions in mind, um, James leaves us asking, What kind of wisdom is this then? Now he begins by calling for a demonstration and Um, he calls for a wisdom to be shown and demonstrated and he does this in saying let this man let whoever is wise show this let him show it let him demonstrate it who is wise among you let him show it um Take care to look at the fact that he's actually calling for a demonstration. He's already done this earlier in James, remember, a couple of weeks ago. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. You might remember that, James 2.18. He's calling for a demonstration. And how does he want this demonstration of, of um, wisdom to be shown? Look again at verse 13. By his good behavior, by his deeds, in the gentleness of wisdom. When he says to do this in these, in these manners, by his good behavior, does that mean he doesn't swear, he doesn't cuss, he's a nice guy? Well, it could mean that. But essentially, James is referring to the conduct, the way this individual lives his life. I asked a question at the beginning. I said, would you simply believe if I told you I was a Christian because you see me here serving, preaching, or doing something, or involved in one way or another from week to week, or day to day, or however often you come in, would you just believe and take it? That guy's a Christian, man. I see him. He stands up on the Behind the lectern, he speaks. I see him sometimes on Tuesdays at Food Bank. I see him at community group in Lewisham. So he's a Christian. Would you buy that? Would you need to see more? Do you know what I'm like at home? At work? Do you know how I conduct my affairs? It's the the demonstration James is calling for. But he also says, by his deeds, his good works. he'll talk more about that later. And in the gentleness of wisdom. See, there's an attitude here that he describes in the meekness of wisdom. Meekness here, not coming from the guy is a coward or is passive, but he actually trusts God and so doesn't find it necessary to try to big up himself or promote himself. As we will see in the beginning of the next next chapter, James asks a question to this same audience. What causes fights and quarrels amongst you? Is it not that you, you, you want things, but you can't get it? You get the impression that there's a bit of contention going on amongst the believers. Well don't forget. We are not immune to these things as a as a church either. But he he he, he describes three ways he wants this he, that this that this can be evidenced. The way I live my life, works that I, I engage in, and my Attitude or disposition, demonstrating wisdom. So the question is, what kind of wisdom do the believers show they have? What kind of question do they? What kind of belief, um, wisdom do they show they have? What kind of wisdom do you and I, by the way we live our lives, by the works we engage in, and works in particular, within the context of believers in Christ as well? And I'll ask you your disposition, what kind of wisdom do we show that we have? Going on to verse 14 to 16, we've seen the challenge. Now, James goes on to tell us what it is not, the kind of wisdom he's not talking about. Verse 14 to 16, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, Do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above. He first introduces us to false wisdom and the origins of it. Where does it come from? There's a phrase that Pastor Rob, I believe, referred to already in this series. And we see that repeat that that coming up here again, um, I think it was last week he was talking about the 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 heart of the problem is the problem with the heart, and James identifies this uh helps us to see the 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 motives or the origins of um the earthly wisdom which he says is not what, is not what he is calling for. But look at this. In the heart, in your heart. This phrase already um, shows up and draws us to where the kind of wisdom he's going on to describe comes from. Look at this with me in James chapter 3 and verse 14. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Um, The things he's identifying there as the origins of this wisdom are again listed right there. You have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. What what does he mean when he talks about bitter jealousy? What does he mean when he talks about bitter jealousy? Um, I want to borrow from Another passage of scripture to explain this. But talking about bitter jealousy, it is a zeal, um, jealousy, simply put, of others being successful, others being doing well off, others succeeding at what they do. Um, I said I want to borrow from another passage of scripture. Acts chapter 5 and verse 9. In in, in Acts chapter 5 and from verse 9 to 17, we don't don't, um, need to display that. The apostles experienced bitter jealousy from the religious leaders of their time. After the Ananias and Sapphira episode, the people stand aloof. What's happened is God demonstrates his. Um, power amongst the early disciples, the early church. The apostles um, call for a donation. This couple decide, yeah, we're going to contribute as well, and they give a false impression as to what they are contributing. And in the process, they both fall dead before the apostles. The impact of this, well, they see the numbers of people who believe in Christ grow, grow. But something happened in the wider community. The people of the, of the town stand aloof and like, boy, we ain't having anything to do with those people, man. But there is, they had a healthy respect for them. But then among the religious leaders, there was jealousy. Rather than acknowledge, look, God is working in and through these people. They were jealous of them. Jealous of the fact that their numbers were growing. They saw them as competition. And what did they decide to do? They had these guys arrested. They had them arrested and they had them thrown in jail. Now, guess what? Thinking about how God works, seeing how God worked amongst the the, the early believers and how God works... Everywhere where he does. And even amongst us here. Do you know that that sort of bitter jealousy could easily creep in? Somebody has to step out in boldness of faith, trusting God. I mean, we kicked off barley loaves. Jason was just here a few moments ago, plugging the HMSS socials. There are loads of things that we initiate and get started. And yes, in the hope and in the confidence that God will work through this. You know, we could easily stand aloof and be jealous as well, seeing God work through these things. You see, God will bear witness to Himself regardless. But here's the challenge I ask us to consider. Rather than be, um, rather than fall into this kind of wisdom, which James is not advocating, you and I have the opportunity to support Christian ministry here at Ecclesia and in so many other places. And um, enough said about that. But he also talks about selfish ambition, another motive of the wisdom that is not godly. Selfish ambition. So, simply put, we could be in to be either top boy, or top leader, or top preacher, or top Christian, or top believer. We want to be, we want to satisfy ourselves here. This is what James is describing selfish ambition, rivalry, you know, being selfishly ambitious. I, I, will, I, will, I will succeed at what I want to achieve, regardless of what anyone else thinks about it. No consideration or thought for others. What motivates us in what we choose to put our hands to for God? Don't forget. The guys that this letter is written to are believers. They are believers. And he gives a warning at the end of this verse. Don't be boastful and don't be false to the truth. Don't be arrogant about your wisdom, the kind of wisdom you demonstrate, and so lie against the truth. Refer back to my question, one of my questions. If we could buy our salvation, if we could pay for the fact that we are in Christ and we are believers, guess what? We would have something to boast about. We'd be able to say, listen, I became a believer because of such and such and such that I've done or that I've, ac- that I've accomplished or because of my knowledge of the, of the, of the Scripture or because I've, I've, I've kept myself from, from sexual immorality or whatever and have something to boast about before God or before men. But that's not the case. The point I had in asking that question is for us to see how Jesus, you know, likens the one who hears his sayings and does them to a wise man. One thing I hope we all have in common is that we've come to see how valueless or worthless, anything we can bring to Christ is, as far as making us right with God is concerned. So that bitter envy, selfish ambition, those things would not prove to be what motivate us in our walk with Christ. So, James makes the point, this wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it is earthly. It is natural, it is demonic. So he moves on to describe what this looks like. What does this wisdom look like? It is earthly. It is earthly. So it is earthly in that it is not. It is. It is not heavenly. It is. Um, it doesn't have any heavenly attribute or characters to it. It passes away. Um, they only have to do with the earth and go no further. And, I mean, I, 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 I can think immediately of an example of this. Think about now, in the news just a couple of weeks ago, earthly wisdom describes, earthly, earthly wisdom decides it's going to give pardons, posthumous pardons, and, right and forgive, and posthumous pardons to people who were convicted of sexual offenses back in the, in the past, before those offences were abolished. I'm talking about people who engaged in homosexuality in the past. In this country, years ago, it was criminal. And they were convicted of indecency. But now, earthly wisdom says, it wasn't an offence anymore, we were wrong, we can change that, let's forgive them. That's earthly wisdom in its its, um, earthly manner. It is also sensual, a second characteristic of this earthly wisdom. It is all about satisfying the desires of our human nature. It is all about satisfying our desires. I will look good in this. This would make me feel good about myself. And it's demonic as well, the third character of this earthly wisdom. It is demonic. So, it leads men into arrogance, self-sufficiency. They begin to think, yeah, I can do bad by myself. You know, when in fact, it's God's mercy and grace that restore us and that bring us into right relationship with God. So, if we're driven by earthly wisdom, James is saying, "Uh uh-uh. That's from above. Because look at the impact it has. Verse 16. It brings about chaos. It brings about disorder. It brings about chaos. Chaos simply being disorder, confusion. We won't be able to have true fellowship. Just imagine. These kinds of things prevailing. We can't truly love one another. We can't have harmony. We can't trust one another. We cannot um, be sincere in our fellowship. We won't be able to have a conversation and believe what we're talking about. Can you imagine that? We would all be self-serving. We'd be looking out for number one. It'd be this, I mean, there'll be so much intrigue. we would be wondering, okay, what's the latest gist going on in church today? And it won't be about fellowship anymore. But it also brings about every worthless and vile thing. The picture that comes to mind is Jesus describes salt as losing its saltiness. Have you ever used salt that is not salty? And if salt loses its saltiness, I I thought about that question. Can you do anything to reintroduce the saltiness to the salt? What would you use to do that? You know? It's worthless. Worthless. And worse still, it's it, 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 another effect it has. It, 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 it also brings about every worthless and vile thing, bad things. That's even worse than worthless. Things that are damaging. Alright? So looking at the life of a believer whose motive for what they do is out of bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, and that results in chaos, confusion, disorder, every worthless and vile thing, take time to reflect on the source of your wisdom. Is it anything like what I've just described? Then, thankfully, James goes on to describe what wisdom he is talking about. Look at the contrast at the beginning of verse 17, but the wisdom from above. The wisdom from above is first pure. First and foremost, it is pure. Um, I'm reminded of, of Jesus in, the, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8, Matthew 5 and verse 8 saying, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Why do I bring this up here? Pure, that James speaks about, is is, is the sense of being free of anything that hinders us from coming to God. Being free of anything that hinders us from being able to approach God. And if you think back to the question I asked earlier on, I've been reflecting on this in the last couple of weeks. I don't know why, but I've just been thinking about When I think back to my days before Christ and some and some things that I I have been involved in, sins I've committed, and I stop to think, okay, let's let's put God to one side, put Jesus to one side for a minute. How would I be able to stand up, especially if the things that I I, sins I engage in affected others? How would I be able to stand up before them? or even before you, declare what I've done and be free from guilt or forgiven. As far as the world goes, listen, you've done the crime, you pay the time. It's simple. There's nobody going free. There's no guilty one being forgiven. But the pure in heart, how do we become pure in heart? If it is not by the work of Jesus Christ on Calvary if it is not by his blood being shed for the forgiveness of our sin this is the source of the wisdom that is from above it is first pure it is free from, from ceremonial defilement it is, it is set apart and therefore able to approach God Therefore, able to stand before God. It comes from God. What this does, it gives us the confidence to call on God's name, like, you know, like um like we like we do have the corner on God. Not that we've got God in a corner, but that we are in relationship with God. We can call on his name because of this kind of purity. But um what better motive can we have then when we think about being forgiven, when we think about how our sins are washed away? I mean, I've been reminded lately of this song, this old hymn, and I, I think you'd know it. Time will not permit me to sing it because we, we, I've got little, very little time left. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I don't know any other fountain. I don't know any other source, any other flow that can make me white as snow. If you know any other, check it at the door, check it at the cross, leave it there. It is worthless. You can win the lottery today, win the Euro millions and drop it all before God and be unrepentant. It's worth nothing. Believe it. It's worth nothing. Like the blood of Jesus. So, and in recognition of this, in recognition of how God brings me close by His mercy and grace... James then goes on to talk about the characteristics of wisdom. He says it is first pure, and then thereafter, in contrast to what the, 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 the earthly wisdom is like, he goes on to, disc, to, to list characteristics of this wisdom. It is peaceable. So it's ready, it's disposed toward peace. Can you imagine being brought before God Or being faced with the message of the gospel, being told, listen, there's nothing right or good about us, our stand, our position, our righteousness, however however good we think we are if we are brought before God. The wisdom that is godly will not put up a fight. It will simply go, yes, have mercy on me, a sinner. It will yield and acknowledge the rightness of God. It's peaceable. Uh, it's disposed toward peace. And even in the same way, it will extend that peace to others. The peace that God has extended to us will extend to others as well. It is gentle. The sense here is of one who has the power to exercise it, the power to exercise what is fitting, what is right. But being reasonable. I mean, <laughs> when I think about this, I put my hands up. I really do put my hands up because, man, do I so blow my top with my children? <laughs> Gentle, whew. <laughs> I just, they'd they, they look, sometimes I just fear and think these kids would look toward the day when they can just run free. Independence Day, woohoo, free of that guy. Gentle, the wisdom from above is gentle, Um, and that just brings me to just mention in passing, you know for those of us who recently had cause to engage in conversation and discussions of some of these topical social issues, we can be gentle. We can be quite gentle in our conversation. Just because someone has an opposing view to us, we don't have to roast them alive, you know, with dragon breath accompanying and backing our views. Take it easy. Be gentle. That's godly wisdom, hey. Otherwise, think about Jesus with the woman caught in the act of adultery before him. Caught at his feet, and they bring her to him and ask, What's, what, what do you think? Moses says this woman should be stoned. What do you say? <laughs> Does he, I mean, he has the power to say, I mean, he could, could he do it literally? If you say to this mountain, Be moved from here and drop onto this woman, could he have done that? He could have, but he was gentle with this one seeking mercy. Sometimes the people out there we need to, that we talk to or believe or have contrasting views who we think are worldly, hey, godly wisdom is gentle and patient with them, with patience. We don't necessarily go into going with all guns blazing just because, right, I don't like that person's lifestyle. Godly wisdom is also reasonable it's ready to obey. That's what this means. It's ready to obey. It's ready to just say, yes, Lord, I'm a believer now. If that means a, a, a change in the way I live, if that means I change my lifestyle completely, right, Lord, yeah, how do we proceed? Let's do this. Give me support. I'm, I'm, it's bent on, it's, it's ready to obey. It's also full of mercy, it's also full of mercy. Um, and similarly to what just James just described, it is merciful, it's thinking about the condition of others, it's thinking about supporting those who suffer, supporting those who are in need I think it was just last week. I was asking Mike. Um, I was asking Mark how the how the, the contributions toward the um, barley lows food donations have been going. Can I ask again? Not great. Not to you, no tuna. It is merciful. It is full of mercy. Point said. Point made. It is also full of good fruits. Full of mercy and good fruits. What is good? It's profitable fruit. I mean, if you've done any farming, you can relate to this. You get fruit, but not just fruit, good fruit. There's so many different kinds of applications on this. At times I wondered when Scripture talks about believers being God's workmanship created for good works. What good works? What's he talking about? In Acts chapter 9 and verse 30 a widow had just, a woman had just died who was called Tabitha or Dorcas. Acts chapter 9 and verse 30. And when the apostles came and, and to the place where this woman's um, body lay, loads of the people around there were just showing, man, look at all the coats this woman made. They were showing the, the apostles so many things this woman had, had made for Believers. Don't you just love people like that? There are some people here. I know many, including myself, have enjoyed some things at your hands. You know, there's, 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 there's you know there's, there's there's someone and I and I, I miss I miss her so dearly full of good works. I've, I, stood to, I benefited from her hand, you know, even up to the point where she went to be with the Lord. I benefited from her. Sometimes we just take up things which we see. There's a gap here somewhere. Somebody needs, somebody is ill and at home. They can't attend church. And there's people who just take it upon themselves to engage in looking for, going after, finding out about and even trying to meet needs of individuals like this. They may be just small practical things. Ah, oh, I see you, you just wear these. What, what, size, what size are your trainers? What size are your shoes? Hmm, okay, I've got a few that I bought for so-and-so. Would you care to have them? Would you mind if I gave these to you? So many applications of this, so many. Don't you just love those people? And even after they're gone, we miss them even more so. Considering what goodness we have had from Christ in forgiving us. Um, What is the fruit of our life for the benefit of others now? I never gave this so much thought until recently. There are some people who just, you just see them go out shopping and they start buying things and you wonder, what are you buying that for? Oh, I'm thinking about so-and-so's um, baby, when the baby is born. You're like, what? A person just told you they, they, just, they, they, just, they just got pregnant, just got pregnant just now and you're buying this for their baby? Wait till the time comes, <laughs> but they're already thinking ahead. And and thinking about needs, thinking about concerns for others. So much for good fruit. It's also unwavering. It's undivided in its commitment. It's not wavering in its faithfulness to God. It's not distinguishing persons either. Can I ask this question? Sometimes I feel, and I'm not hating on Pastors, all right? (laughs) But sometimes I feel (laughs) unwavering. When I looked at the meaning of this, where, you know, sometimes people might just distinguish between people. If the pastor is not available to pray for you, would you ask the person sitting next to you to pray for you? Hello? Would you ask the person sitting next to you to pray for you? Or has he got to be the pastor? Hey. It is also without hypocrisy. It is also without hypocrisy. Um, so it's sincere. It shoots straight from the hip. There's no... When, when, when it says yes, you know you're, you're hearing a yes. When it says uh, no... I don't like that. You know it doesn't like that. This is without hypocrisy. It's not fake. So when a person claims true wisdom and has pure motives and behavior that reveals a love for making peace, a humble, patient, non-retaliatory spirit, a reasonableness, a willingness to yield in obedience, a habit of merciful, compassionate acts towards others, a variety of righteous deeds that, that ministers spiritual good and benefit to others, and his undivided commitment to God's truth, and is without partiality to anyone, and all of this is sincere and is genuine. James says that person shows that they have the true wisdom. The true wisdom. Now might just look at this and go, Oh man, (laughs) that disqualifies me. I'm not there yet. That's not bad. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. If there's any of that at all, if there is even some of that at all, great. We're believers, we're born again. Remember, we were saved from sin, but now we're taking on the nature of God, nature of Christ, and we're getting there. But this is godly wisdom. This is what bona fide faith looks like. It lives according to godly wisdom. And as James concludes, the seed whose fruit is righteousness, verse 18, a harvest of righteousness all the nasb says and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace seed sown or the fruit is sown what james does here he equates righteousness with wisdom from above the outworking of this becomes the seed to grow yet more. I mean, talking about full of good fruits, we attested to, yeah, we just love people like that, who, who shoot straight, who tell us like it is, who, who are unwavering, who we can count upon. That blesses us. That helps us. And um, what happens there is We are affected, and in turn, go on to affect others. So, um, in this respect, that's how a person proves whether or not he has the wisdom of God. So, just to conclude again, James follows a very clear line of thought. If one professes to be a Christian... He must prove it by living like a Christian. Uh, And and nothing is more convincing than the kind of wisdom revealed in his or her behavior, the way we live our lives, the kind of um, works that we, we, we deliver or engage in, and even the attitude in which we deliver them. An attitude that is not hustling or trying to big up ourselves, but indeed an attitude that submits in trust to God and lives life trusting that yes I'm doing this for Christ's sake and God has got my back so you ask yourself do I have the wisdom of God the answer is nothing other than what is the character of your life what are the deeds that we do? What's our attitude as well? We can apply this and take this inventory and apply it to ourselves. We will have a good time doing that during the week. Um, I encourage you. That also, when you think about it, is wise. Having fellowship with other believers earthly wisdom thinks I can do bad by myself I, 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 I mean I can have fellowship with myself and oh my God I don't need the rest of the body but hey God's gracious in providing a whole body of believers who can see us where we can't see ourselves check this this is not stupid can you see all these things about yourself by yourself can you Without a mirror, tell me, can you see the back of your head? (laughs) Something out of Men in Black, maybe. (laughs) But no, we can't do that. We need others to also um, do fellowship together. So, it may be that we are in the godly wisdom area, but we've been hanging around the world so long. We've picked up Some of the world's habits. I think Rob touched on that last week. We're so deep in our social media. And we get our wisdom from there. Nothing wrong with it. It's just how much does it affect? How much does the world affect us? Rather than God. God's wisdom really should Um, Mark without doubt those who belong to Jesus Christ. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.